1: And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. All right, the time is 6.04. All the lines are open now if you want to give me a call. Um, talk doctrine, talk practice, have issues, have questions, legitimate observations. You may do so at one 367 5329 one For those of you who listen every year to this coveted event that we engage in with my daughters, and sons, my son, David, used to be part of it uh, until he just recently graduated from college himself. Um what do you think? Are they sounding better year after year? Give me a call. Let me know what you thought about how they sang. I think it was wonderful, but I'd love to hear from you on that um, or on topics relative to what we talk about on this program, uh, theology, politics, practical life. one 3675 329 one 329 also, if you want to uh, give a suggestion for songs for 2018, I'll be glad to take them, and we'll pray that we can live to that end. So give me a call, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine on this Monday edition of Lifeline. All the lines are open. Uh, we are now in Potpourri Hour. We are able to talk and discuss where we are towards the end of the year. And while you are calling, I do want to recall, again, that we lost a giant. We lost one of our soldiers. We lost one of our generals. Uh, in the um, battle of life, which tells us that there are two major parts to our redemption, the soul and the body. The soul triumphantly wins when it's wrapped up in the bosom of life, uh, the bundle of life, as it was said to Abigail of David, Um in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we are born again, renewed by his spirit, truly regenerated, we are saved, secure, and sound. There is no uh, such thing as being born again and then losing your status of being born again. When once truly born again, you cannot be born again, but there is a redemption of the body that certainly is to take place when Christ returns on the last day. So we have the redemption of our souls and then. And we have the redemption of our bodies is called the manifestation of the sons of God. One day hence, And so all believers die physically. And so Mr. Sproul um, left this world at the ripe old age of 78, having left us an arsenal of biblical truth uh, by which we can remember our God accurately as he was a theologians, theologian and pastor of St. Andrew's Chapel and founder and ministry of Ligonier's Ministry as well. Um, here are some of the quotes. Again, the lines are open, one Love to hear from you. Um, here are 40 of uh, our favorite RC quotes, uh, and I'll just share a few with you before we go to the phone lines. Uh, here's the first one. I like this one. There are only two ways of dying. We can die in faith or we can die in our sins. There's only two ways of dying. We can die in faith, that is, by a conviction that is rooted in the work of the Spirit of God, by which we look to Jesus as our mediator and Savior, our righteousness, redemption, sanctification, and wisdom. Or we can die in our sins, having rejected, refused, denied, or ignored the overtures of God and His providence to call us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Here's another quote. We are secure not because we hold tightly to Jesus, but because he holds tightly to us. We believe in the unfailing. It is called the infallible grace of God in our salvation. We are secure not because we hold tightly to Jesus, but because he holds tightly to us. Here's another one. To know that God knows everything about me and yet loves me is indeed my ultimate consolation. To know that God knows everything about me and yet loves me is indeed my ultimate consolation. I think where R.C. was um, building that statement was Psalm 139, where David plainly said, your thoughts towards me are too wonderful. I cannot attain unto them. He knows our uprising, our downsetting. He goes before us and he's our rearward. He knows every thought that we have altogether. As vile and empty and and wayward as we can be, God still loves his people in Christ. Here's another one. If God is not sovereign, then God is not God. Is that true? Absolutely. The God of the Bible is understood no other way than to be sovereign. Here's another one. When God says something, the argument is over. (laughs) Wonderful, isn't it? When God says something, the argument is over. Here's another one. A God who is all love, all grace, all mercy, but not sovereign and not just and not holy and not wrathful is an idol. A God who is all love, all grace, all mercy, no sovereignty, no justice, no holiness, no wrath is an idol. I would agree with R.C., and that is largely what is preached today in our generation, a God of all love and yet not a God of justice and wrath at all. Here's another one before we go to a break. Um, He says, when there's something in the word of God that I don't like, the problem is not with the word of God. It's with me. (laughs) Isn't that right? When there's something in the Word of God that I don't like, the problem is not with the Word of God; it's with me. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Keep me company. Here's another one from R.C. As we are devoting part of this time to honoring him, you are required to believe, to preach, and teach what the Bible says is true, not what you want. The Bible to say is true. You are required to believe, preach, and teach what the Bible says is true, not what you want the Bible to say is true. Here's another one. God does not always act with justice. Sometimes he acts with mercy. Mercy is not justice, but it is also not injustice. Injustice violates righteousness. Mercy manifests kindness and grace and does not violence to righteousness. We may see non-justice in God, which is mercy, but we never see injustice in God. Is that good or what? Here's another one. People in awe never complain that church is boring. I want you to get that one. Think about this. You'll have some professing Christians Who will say that church is boring? Now, if church is boring, it's one of two things. It's either the preacher is unfaithful to the word of God, unfaithful in his walk, and therefore does not have the anointing that brings out the depths and riches of biblical truth, which does not need the aid and abetting of uh, tactics and gimmicks and, and methods of preaching that is far more artful than it is science. But when a person has been struck by the awfulness of God's reality, that old Saxon term awful doesn't mean bad. It just means awe-inspiring that God is so transcendently glorious that when the Bible is taught, even in the most simplistic way, the believer is never bored. This is how powerful the word of God is. It will grip you in just the plain teaching of biblical truth when the anointing is there. People are in awe. Never complain that the church is boring. Here's another one. I'll retire when they pry my cold dead fingers off my Bible. <laughs> when they pry my tired my my cold dead fingers off my Bible, which means RC passed away with his head and hands in the Bible. Another one before I get ready to take a break. If ever a person had room to complain of injustice, As you hear people doing all over the world today, particularly in Western countries, injustice, injustice, injustice. If ever a person had room to complain of injustice, it was Jesus. He was the only innocent man ever to be punished by God. He was the only innocent man ever to be punished by God. If we stagger at the wrath of God, let us stagger at the cross, Here is where our astonishment should be focused. If we have cause for moral outrage, let it be directed at Golgotha. See, you see what our brother is doing? He's helping us understand that the real place of injustice took place at the cross relative to Christ being punished for those who would trust him in their stead. This is a a marvelous doctrine of double imputation. It's not that he did it unjustly, actually. It just appears unjust. For in reality, Christ justly bore my sins because he justly took my place. And I justly bear his righteousness because he justly imputed it to me by his grace. This is the mystery and majesty of the gospel. Here's another one. No matter how much injustice I have suffered from the hands of other people, I have never suffered the slightest injustice from the hands of God. Do you see how he's, he's separating or distinguishing or bifurcating the distinction between injustices in this world and the holiness and righteousness of God? And this is really where people argue against God. They want to blame God for injustices that go on in our society as if it's God's fault. Now that's going to be a big discussion on the day of judgment. No matter how much injustice I have suffered from the hands of other people, I have never suffered the slightest injustice from the hand of God. God answers Job's questions, not with words, but with himself. Ooh, that's when God showed up in the end of the chapter. Here's one more. The Christian life is a life of nonconformity. That's beautiful. Think it through. Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If a man loves the world, then the love of the father is not in him. The world is passing away in the lust thereof, but the word of God and he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. This is what our brother reminds us of, of the sober and yet pure and yet rich teachings of the scripture that blesses the souls of those who are serious about seeking God through his word. Um, we have all been blessed by R.C. Sproul. Listen, I'm going to take a break. I've got two lines open, one 2 lines open. Let's talk about it on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. All right, we're back. The time six nineteen. Two lines open. If you want to chat with yours truly on the Monday edition of Lifeline, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you enjoyed that music, let me know. Let me go to line number three and talk with Marcus in San Jose. Mark, what say ye? Mark in San Jose, what say ye?
2: Well, you know um, now, Brother Sproul is no longer saying how he's saying "wow," but. Sadly, the um, mayor of San Francisco is is saying, "ow he, Ed Lee died in his sins, and I've uh, preached to him before, and uh, he did not want to hear the word of God. And uh, it's very sad. He went in to Dust to Dust Tuesday, and R.C. went on Thursday. And uh, this is really serious, you know. Uh, what is? When you die.
1: What is serious? Me?
2: dying without Jesus Christ you know I mean really we need to get get on the business of preaching the gospel because uh, you know uh, if you die without Jesus what is going to happen and God has threatened that this will happen that there's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hid that will not be made known and you know I was at a meeting Santa Clara County Board of Supervisors meeting on Tuesday when David Cortese passed on the, the shocking news that Ed Lee uh, died uh, in Safeway of a heart attack, and they were already given accolades of what a wonderful guy he is and how he, the guy died lost, you know, and and we need to start preaching the gospel to everybody in 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 high places and <laughs> low places and everywhere. Because they will go to hell, and it's too late for Ed Lee now. Breed is taking his place. Breed is lost. All those supervisors are lost. Not a one of them is saved. And, uh you know, when Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, those that believe will be saved and those that don't will be damned. It's a very serious thing to reject the gospel. And that's why he said to... To preach it, because he knows that uh, although he's merciful, he's just. And if you if you don't get mercy, you get
1: justice. I agree. Just now, good. tell me what what is the gospel, Mark? In a nutshell, don't that's give me five minutes. Give me just. That's, you that's should be good. you should be able to say you should be able to say it in a nutshell.
2: Paul defines the gospel for us in in uh, First Corinthians chapter fifteen and Galatians good. chapter one. He says, "This is the gospel that Christ died for our sins." According to the scriptures, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead the third day, according to the scriptures. And if you don't believe this gospel, you will be damned. And even if an angel from heaven preached any other gospel than that gospel that I just told you, let him be cursed. And as I said before, I repeat it. If anybody, even an angel from heaven, preaches any other gospel other than that Christ died for our sins, let him be cursed by God. I agree. That is the gospel. He completely satisfied the wrath of God when he died in our place. If we get justice, <laughs> we're doomed, you know. There's there's a movie, the guy who played Jesus on The Passion also played the starring role in The Count of Mon- Monte Cristo, and mm-hmm. uh, in this movie, he he's done wrong, you know, he's thrown into prison, and as he's in prison, he he, he says, God will give me justice, you know, in in a, in a temporal sense, you know, we know... We know what he he means, but you don't want to say that to God. You never want to ask God for justice because, you know, if you do ask God for justice, surely you'll be damned.
1: Without a doubt. It
2: says cursed. Yeah. Without a doubt. Everyone that does not continue in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. And who can say they've done that for even one day in their life? For one second. That I'm not.
1: For one second
2: maybe no you no, know, no,
1: not maybe, for one second there 's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good that sinneth not the the thought of folly is sin we 've never ever thought a good thought that was ever pure and absolutely without some kind of selfish motive. So the notion that we can go a day without sinning is utterly ridiculous and absurd uh, on its face. We don't have the capacity apart from God's grace and the renewing work of the spirit of God to think God's thoughts after him or to think the high uh, standard of perfect righteousness that God demands. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before God. This is why people of grace actually rejoice more in grace than we do injustice. It's true, Mark, that God's justice will prevail. It's true that the wages of sin is death. It's true that if a man dies without Christ, he is in a horrible state for all eternity. It's true that we must declare that, too, as you are stating about some of these politicians. I would take issue with you thinking that you know that all of those politicians are lost, that it's a, a reckless statement, and you don't know what the final hours of at Lee's life was about. That's a reckless statement, too. It's not even for the Christian to be making that assumptive argument, you Unless you were standing right there declaring the gospel to him and he was boldly um, rejecting the claims of Christ. Only God knows. And thus, this whole language about who's perishing is a part of God's glory to be revealed on the last day, as you had stated everything that's hidden is going to be brought out. But for some reason in our morbid, twisted notions, we like to think that we sit at God's elbow and we can determine who's actually perishing and who's not when we understand that eternity is before men and that God is able to save to the uttermost any of them that come to him by faith. That is the reason why we're given the whole scenario in Luke's gospel of the two thieves on the other side, either side of Christ, because there's a sphere in our human makeup mark that belongs to God and us. And so no human being knows the transaction that took place on the cross when one thief believed and the other thief, didn't believe that was between God and heaven. And so I say to you and me and whoever else would want to frame our lips to say, we know absolutely cocksure that a a certain person ended up in hell. You want to be very, 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 very careful. The other thing, and I'm going to let you go rejoice more in the glory of the gospel for lost sinners in Christ, than you do in the wrath of God for lost sinners out of Christ. I've got to take a break. I do have all lines open. Three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Looking forward to talking with you. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. And we're back 631 We've got two lines open one triple eight, three six, seven five, 329 Let's go to line 1 and talk with Dan in Sonoma Dan it's been a while how are you doing Well I want to thank you first of
3: all for what you've been presenting this evening Okay You're doing pretty well uh, but what I wanted to really comment about was I've often reflected what is the legacy of Ligonier in my life and uh, cuz I spent several years looking at their website and listening to their program, and uh, what it comes down to is a philosophical engagement with biblical doctrine, and uh, that was important for me. You've often commented that you're a product of public school education, and I went to public junior high and high school, very deeply exposed to Albert Camus and... Sure. Nietzsche and all that sure, stuff. And sure. he grappled with it and he just took it on directly and said, Look, let's compare what did Nietzsche teach with what does Christ teach. What's what does a... and that is a huge issue for me with his ministry. Uh he had a, a very sweet, engaging commitment to uh Christianity. He wanted to uh proclaim the gospel and I looked at the you know his uh, doctrine on prusia and just this many many things that uh his his mentor also I don't remember the man's name but his mentor
1: Dr. Gersner and John yeah, Gersner.
3: Yes, yes, that's right. They they really I, I think uh, they've been underrated in the in the 20th century and people are going to look back and say look at all that that we can gain by looking at what, you know they're not god they're they're just uh christian brothers they taught but look at the legacy that they're leaving behind listen i wasn't even aware that he had died until you you were announcing it this evening
1: okay right that's how um that's how underrated they are all of god's servants are underrated it's important to know that all of god's faithful servants and only kind of servants god has are faithful servants they're all underrated because they're of this world and so the world lodged Nietzscheans and the world lodged, you know, Freudians and the world lodges these, um, these sort of anti-biblical uh, philosophers. The world lauds people who um, have the capacity through logic and philosophy to uh, dismantle a biblical truth even in a in an incoherent fashion uh, because it, it looks for uh, teachers because of their itching ears that they might believe in fables rather than the truth. Now, what R.C. Sproul was compared to many people Dan, is that R.C. Sproul was not only just a pastor, but he was a theologian slash philosopher. So his roots were, uh, you know, was in Aquinas philosophy, as you probably would know. Uh, He was a lover of Aquinian uh, philosophy, but that just made him acutely aware of the fundamental presuppositions that undergird most of the theological uh, eras and challenges that we're dealing with our with our present world system. And, and your average pastor uh, does not press into philosophy enough to understand that there are roots. To doctrine, roots to behavior that are philosophical in nature. And we have to know enough about those, um, historic debates and arguments and personages who, um, who have, uh, who have offered either er- erroneous worldviews and epistemologies or legitimate valid ones that can help us to frame our understanding of Scripture in a way that we can uh, remain orthodox. And that's what R.C. did. He he um, brought down very complex issues into the marketplace of discussion among those of us who realize that the word of God merits the kind of uh, expertise and, uh, and, again, acuity of insight that is a result of passionate, deep um, apologetics, um, epistemology, um, hermeneutics, etc., by which we can preserve the truth of the gospel, especially in this hyper-emotional sensual age in which we are living where the gospel is fundamentally lost with uh, the exception of a few circles. And, well, uh, and, well, what and, I
3: would urge people to do, I, I know that a lot of people are bored, but if they would just take a few moments and look at the critique that he posed about Sartre and Immanuel Kant, sure, about John Paul Sartre, sure. and people don't realize the pervasive influence of those two scholars on our society today. They just don't realize they knocked the apple cart over. And uh, if people would take a look at what's going on and how easily these arguments, I mean, John Park's arguments are actually quite easy to answer, but people don't even try.
1: Well, and, and, and really if I were directing people, I would actually direct them to seminary professors because it's your seminary professors who have uh, adopted these secular philosophical worldviews and, and syncretized them into biblical theology in a way that has become harmful if you, if you understand what I mean. Certainly, uh, professors of theology um, are going to be aware of your pre-enlightenment philosophers, your enlightenment philosophers, and and your um, post-enlightenment philosophers and their entrails into our secular world system and into the liberal uh, apostate church. Uh, they would know that. Um, but to be bored by it is simply the consequence of people not being in awe of the Word of God. As R.C. has said in one of the quotes I gave, people who are in awe of the Word of God are never bored by those battles that um that historically have um at least threatened the church not god god's going to win every battle every time but threaten the church because of its lack of commitment to biblical truth at its core um, philosophically and then again, theologically. And so, yeah, what you're talking about is a, is a real issue. Fortunately, what, what we can say is that what God does in his providence, Dan, is gives us, um, qualified pastors who are able to keep people at least within the framework of the scriptures on those doctrinal levels. That constitute our salvation. And even if they don't have the appetite or drive to deal historically with the different philosophical systems that actually have uh, lent itself to the kind of prism that opened the door for a um twisting of scripture, a denying of the veracity of scripture, a, a denying of the doctrines of scripture, the fundamental doctrines of God's nature, God's character, God's person, God's work, and of course, uh, the nature of mankind and, and thus the nature of salvation. All that's um, up in the air today simply because, um, you know, seminaries are, are are very, very much corrupted in these areas. It's just true. Anybody that pays a little attention can see that. So the real battle is in the pulpit. What we would want God to do if he would be so gracious is to um, stir up the pastors to, to go deeper with God in terms of historical studies, uh, you know, church history. Uh, Again, philosophy, uh, again, apologetics, hermeneutics, so that they can be much more effective in teaching the truth of the word of God. But this also begs the question before I let you go, Dan, in terms of the hearts, the hearts of pastors, do they have God's heart? What God said about David was that he was a man after my own heart. All of the faults and weaknesses and flaws that David had, he never exchanged the true and the living God for an idol. And that's what we got going on in our present-day churches, and you know that. Uh,
3: I had the disappointing experience this week of a friend of mine telling me, He hadn't uh, revealed it before, but he did no longer believe that Christ was divine. Right. And so that's
1: that's the that is the fundamental effect that I am uh, shouting everywhere. And I've been shouting it for some time now. I stated it like this in our Friday Bible study here dealing with the book of Jude. Verse three says, contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And then Jude lays out a lengthy argument for some 18 verses around the surreptitious nature of false prophets and false teachers who have the ability to come in and lie and deceive and make shipwreck the faith of many. Um, and the way it works is when people don't know their Bibles, Dan, then these hucksters can come in and bring the same kind of questioning uh, that Satan did with Eve and dislodge people from their Bibles by first dislodging them from faith in what God has explicitly said and then dislodging them from a, 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 a confidence in Scripture itself and then dislodging them from the explicit claims of the person and work of Jesus And ultimately what they dislodged them from is the whole salvation system. So it is very popular today in most pseudo Christian circles for people to believe in God, but not believe in the God who is himself also God, the Lord Jesus Christ. They cannot get their faith around the reality of the God man, the the Anthropos man, the second person of the blessed Godhood, Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they they are following the fundamental trend of a kind of um, um, pure uh, uh, monotheism or or Unitarianism, that's a better way to put it, uh, and making Jesus just a good person. This battle has been going on since the early church days. You know, this is the third council, fourth councils um, in church history, third, fourth, fifth century. It's still here and it's going to actually increase. I've warned people about False Christianity collapsing uh, under the Gospel, and then you know taking its shelter under an ecumenical syncretism that is fundamentally uh, monistic in its nature. If you understand what I mean. Thank you so much for your program. It's really a good program. So. All right, blessings, brother. I got to take a break. When I come back, Victoria, I'll talk to you. Three people, three lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. Yes, we are. At the time, 645. We are in the stretch, the long stretch to home. And I've got three lines open if you want to call one 367 5329 367 5329 Love to hear from you before we close out. By the way, you won't be hearing from me for, Lord willing, two weeks. Next Monday is Christmas the following Monday is New Year's Eve, so we will not get a chance to discourse. If you want to talk about something, you better call me now, 1-888-367-5329. Um, and, and by the way, we've only got 13 days between here and the new year, and we've already seen a number of people who have passed away before the new year has gotten here. And I said this to the Daughters of Grace a couple of weeks ago. It's not a guarantee that we will make it to 2013, And we are sure that there are people we know who won't. And so R.C. Sproul is one, and um, Ed Lee was another. And we know of others as well on a more personal note, which is painful to consider, but it's necessary as well. Tomorrow is not given to you. Make your calling and election sure. Don't play with God. Let's go to line number two and talk with Victoria in Oakland. Hi, Victoria. Hi, I don't know if you can hear me. I can hear you. What's your question? Uh,
4: I just wanted to share um, that R.C. Um I was hearing him speak one time on a CD I have when he was talking about Isaiah saying, Woe is me, uh, a man of unclean lips. And, and I'll tell you, when it has to do with the changing of our heart before the Lord, What comes out of our mouth is the example of the changing of the heart through the Holy Spirit because what our lips say and when we speak the (laughs) Word, it must line up in our daily growing in the grace of the Lord so people can truly see the love of Christ in us after we speak the Word with love because it's God's goodness that draws them to Him through the Holy Spirit. So I must seek the Holy Spirit to give me... They love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and pour forth so much in me and stir that in me that they would be able to see the reflection of Christ Jesus in my life, although I'm imperfect and I'm just a female. And Sproul, when he opened his mouth, the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God was just consuming him to the point of the willing vessel to speak out to the broken hearts, and those who are lonely and suffering in their sin and shame to, to allow the Holy Spirit to take the unbelief and turn it around to believe that there truly is one who died sinless and stepped down from the throne and loved and wanted to cover us as his bride. Oh, sorry.
1: It's okay. It's, uh, you are doing quite well, Victoria. Um, it's- I
4: want to cry when I'm talking to you because... I'm saying, Father, I'm a female, and Lord, just use me. Holy Spirit, help me, because the gift that keeps on giving is the eternal life of the Lord Jesus, who came to serve, who was the richest but made himself poor, who shed his blood for us, crucified, died, buried, risen, and yet his heart was so open to everyone He didn't compete or compare, but to complete the desires of his father's heart and is to love us through love us in our mother's womb from the sense that we may learn to love each other on this earth and to be the true light, the true salt of our savior, Jesus.
1: Thank you for that, Victoria. Something to reflect upon as we move towards the birth of the son of God Glorious doctrine of the incarnation and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us in order that we might behold his glory because no man has seen God at any time, but only he who is in the bosom of the father. He hath revealed him, ex- exegeted him, expounded him, exposited him, made him known in a saving way to us. As he said in John chapter 14, if you have seen me, you have seen the father for Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. He is the icon of the true and the living God. And it pleased God that in him that is Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily should exist. And so we thank God for sending his son that we might know the father through the son by his spirit. And this is the exhortation that we give to the whole world, um, wherever we can uh, share the gospel and, and declare God's glory in Christ to men and women that they might, indeed be saved. Thank you for that call. Again, want to let you know that we are moving towards the Christmas season. Um and I'll just give you some words of encouragement as well. Um you you're moving towards the Christmas holidays and I don't know what your plight is, what your circumstances are, ladies and gentlemen, but um I would encourage you to realize that if you are trusting in Christ, you're not alone. You may feel lonely, you may even be lonely, but you're not alone. Uh and you might want to change your pattern if you don't have family members and friends to join with um find a community that's out there serving anonymously during this time uh the richmond rescue mission is a great place to go and serve there are a number of places that you can just call 911 or call um you know charity uh charity organizations the salvation army or some local churches that may be doing work Uh, Christmas Eve as well as on Christmas and get out of the house. Make sure you get out of the funk of being stuck on your own. Although I do want to say this for the Christian, the believer in Christ, it's so very important that we uh, work towards finding our contentment uh, in Christ uh, and by his spirit um, and the communion of, of the father, son and the Holy spirit as the basis of our joy and our hope as well. Sometimes people are going to leave you, abandon you, even Though they're living with you, they just are going to turn their face from you, not embrace you. So things are going to be difficult sometimes. I'm just going to say, um, really find your completion in Christ, as Paul said in Colossians chapter 2. You are complete in Christ, and because of that, you really are not alone. You're complete in Christ. So I want to definitely encourage you along those lines. And uh, and when you do meet with your family members, here's the other thing I want to say. Uh, hold them in high honor. Uh, just love them uh, and keep your distance from controversial topics and issues, politics, uh, even religion, if it doesn't have a way by which you can insert biblical truth and communicate the gospel successfully. Uh, This time around, rather than fight and argue and debate, uh, just be a helper in the household. Just help everybody. Um, Let the aroma of your contentment to be Christ's be the means by which people might be attracted to know why you are so happy in Jesus. I think a lot of times uh, Christians will be given to contentions and debates and hostilities and battles because they're secretly um, dissatisfied with God. Be more enamored by the glory of God. Uh, than the justice and wrath of God. Never separate the two, but be more enamored by his glory. Never diminish the prior, but be more enamored by his glory. It is the glory of God in the life of the believer uh, that is the work of the spirit. Let me go to line one and finish up with Sally in Marin County. How, hi, Sally. How are you today?
5: Hi. God bless you, Jackie. You too. What's... I hope you have a good couple of weeks off. Uh, glorious is thy name, O oh, Oh, Lord, you know that wonderful hymn that many choirs sing, uh, you yes. reminded me of. When I was uh, studying Proverbs 8 to give it to juvenile hall kids, I just was amazed at how little we know of that proverb, and it's talking about the eternal, eternally begotten Son. And if someone doesn't know the Bible very well, if if they don't go to church, if they would just spend some time, even in Proverbs 8, which is, you don't expect it to be there. It's a it's a real challenging chapter to think about the depth of our Lord Jesus Christ eternally.
1: I agree. Um, <clears throat> so now, if you have a really good Bible teacher, what they will teach you hermeneutically is that from Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible is about Jesus. And i just not equipped saying that is a fundamental hermeneutic that our culture has lost today, Sally. Amen. Um, So when 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 the psalmist said in Psalm 40, verse seven, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. It was affirmed both by Christ as well as the Hebrew writer that the Bible's subject is Jesus. And what that means is we should find something of his person and work everywhere in the scriptures. It should not be a surprise. It should not be something that we go all about. And certainly Proverbs eight underscores (laughs) the wisdom of God in the person of Christ. That's wisdom. He said it. He says, I was with him before everything by me, do Kings reign and nobles decree justice in Proverbs eight. And he plainly said, my, my, I was my father's delight and my delight was with the sons of men. And this the grounds of our koinonia with the Father. It is by the Father, through the Son, by the enablement of the Spirit of God. Not only that we have communion with him, as you're stating, Sally, but that we see Christ in the Scriptures. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me to do thy will. Uh, He is the Son of Righteousness, by which we behold the glory and splendor of God's uh, infinitude and nature. Uh, and that is what we're calling men and women to the 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 mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Faith will allow the scriptures to open up anywhere with a kind of patient humble reflection upon the text because the Bible was given to be read first before declared. It was given to be heard first before commented on, hear O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord him only shall you serve. And so hearing is what we are called to and reflecting upon what we heard. The scriptures guarantee that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the joy that we have when we see the glory of God in the person of Christ, whether it's in the personification of wisdom righteousness redemption or sanctification as first Corinthians chapter 1 thirty puts it but you of you are of God who of Christ but Christ is of God and you are of God in Christ and he has been made to you all these things righteousness 1, wisdom in John chapter one you're getting ready to affirm that too yep. it's a it's a beautiful beautiful reality isn't it
5: and I still like to be a be surprised.
1: See, look at you. See, see, I, and and in fact, I'll be honest with you. I I love my Bible studies because my Bible studies will have teenagers all the way up to uh, brothers and sisters hitting ninety years old. So and and people know that our studies are not shallow. We get at it, and because that's the heart of a believer, we want to know him, don't we?
5: Yes, and you sure do give your your church family a bunch of lessons, and they you don't let them get away with with the with the shallows you get them in the deep and that's really pretty exciting
1: yeah thank you very much we want to all end up standing before him being accepted we want to be able god bless you too we want to be able to say hear him say to us well done thou good and faithful servant we all it's all going to be ferreted out on that day so we don't want people to miss god by being shallow Anyhow, our time is up. It was great being with you. We're going to wind this down. You'll hear the music in a few moments. The plane will be landing. We will all be taking a break. Hope you enjoy your time. All pray for me. I'll pray for you. Uh, Let's all get well if we're sick. Let's all try to stay well if we're not sick. And in two weeks, we'll see you again on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Until then, God bless you.